This week's episode of the Get Back Coach is brought to you by Odds Crowd. Odds Crowd has fantasy betting and leagues that include over $30,000 in cash prizes when you bet on NFL and college football. Here's how it works. Once you enter a contest, you place fantasy bets, not actual money, against real odds and lines. The most profitable bettors rise up the leaderboard. If you have the highest profit at the end of the contest, you win. And Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contests. It's a social app for sports bettors, free to download. You can group chat with other bettors, track your bets, set up private fantasy contests with your buddies, and much more. So download the app for free, and when you're there, put a referral code BRAND13, that's B-R-A-N-1-3, that'll tell them that Jake sent you. On this week's episode of the Get Back Coach, we have a full recap of week four of college football. I talk a little bit about Oklahoma fans this week. Week 5 preview, and we take your questions from the internet in our new All Ears segment. All that and a lot more. All right, let's get after it. Welcome to another episode of the Get Back Coach presented by Branded Sports. I'm your host, Jake Myers. And if you guys haven't been keeping track on our Instagram or Twitter, um, you guys may have missed that I had a bit of a COVID scare over the weekend. Uh, Friday, felt really sick, had to go get tested. Luckily, don't have COVID, but I was pretty much on the shelf. Friday and Saturday uh, felt like absolute death. So I got to watch lots and lots of football. Okay. Usually, usually this is how my weekend goes. Okay. I'm usually on location somewhere, um, you know, most likely Penn state, but usually I'm on location somewhere. And on Sunday I get out the accelerated, games and I watch um, some of the bigger games throughout the week. So that's what I usually do. But this week was special that I got to watch mostly game, most of these games in real time. And what on the surface looked like a boring week of college football, only a, a couple key matchups actually had loads of loads of intrigue, loads of chaos um, happening. And we're, we're going to touch on uh, most of it here. Um, but first, let's talk about Friday a little bit. Uh, two things. One, Wake Forest has a legitimate chance to win the ACC. And I don't know if enough people are talking about this, so Wake Forest, uh, led by quarterback Sam Hartman, uh, two really good receivers in Roberson and A.T. Perry. Let's look at some of their matchups coming up. So right now they are 4-0, and they got Louisville, Syracuse, Army, and Duke. So right there, I believe that's when 
five, six. Army will be tough, but I think that's seven. Duke, eight. And then you got North Carolina, NC State, Clemson, BC. Wake Forest can have eight wins here before getting to North Carolina. And North Carolina has their own issues right now. So watch out for the Demon Deacons. I mean, they're they're playing really good football right now. I mean, playing really good football, complimentary football. Their offense is looking good. Sam Hartman isn't turning the ball over, which is key. Um, uh, watching them play against uh, Virginia. Virginia, but going into that game, I had Virginia, minus four and a half. I thought Virginia had better athletes. I knew Wake Forest's offense was decent, but I just thought Virginia had, honestly, better ath- athletes on defense. Um. And we'll be able to at least control the Wake Forest offense. And Virginia just completely lay a lay, laid an egg. It They were home, and it, it it's like they didn't want to even be there. And I hate using that analogy. I usually don't because I know these college athletes want – I mean, they want to compete. But Virginia just looked lackadaisical. Maybe it's the Friday night game, but you're at home. I don't get it. Anyway, Dave Clawson, head coach of Wake Forest. Uh, fantastic job what he's done in that program. This is the best stretch. Wake Forest is not a football power. They are not known for football. Uh, they, they more, I mean, they're more of a basketball school. Um, and they are really laying a foundation of a solid football program. Hats off to Dave Clawson. This is, I think the last five years is the best, um, the best Wake Forest has ever seen in a football program. So, Big hats off to them. Uh, USC loses to Oregon State at home. Not just loses. I mean, Oregon State controlled that game. I mean, they controlled that game. Uh, Second half adjustments. I mean, Oregon State killed them in the third quarter. I, I don't know. USC needs someone there that understands them. They need, they need a home run hire. I mean, I don't think they can get a guy that's, you know, it's their first coaching job type thing. Um, I don't know what the answer is at USC. They obviously care about football. It is not like Miami, which I'll get to um, next, but um, whoever goes there, uh, that athletic department is going to give them a blank check and just say, what, what do you need? And we're going to buy it for you. So that leads me to Miami. Now. Yeah. Miami beat, uh, Central Connecticut State, uh, 66 to not, or 69 nothing. Uh, Kirk Herbstreit getting some praise for some of the things that he said, and I'll just put it in, I guess, summarize it for you. Basically, said that the administration at Miami does not care enough about Miami football, and it doesn't matter who their head coach is, it has to start with the administration and the athletic director. And honestly, I believe that. I believe that. Um, Miami, for better or for worse, in the 80s, dumped all of this money into their football program. And it was really the height of the University of Miami. Now, what the problem with that was that 
it did create a toxic environment because everything was built on football. You know, uh, the players were running amok, you know, some, uh, you know, they were getting into fights on the field. The, the, the whole brand of the U was uh, infamous, not just famous, but infamous. It was kind of a bad look. I think because of that outlaw image, a lot of people in the administration don't want it to be just a football. They don't want to be known as a football school. They want to be known as an institution. And Miami is a fantastic institution. It really is. It's a great school. Um, but I think the program is suffering right now because they're not taking the necessary steps to making their football program serious. And for those group of guys, and Herb, she said this, for the brotherhood, for the guys that play for Miami, it is a brotherhood. It is a rite of passage if you played at the U. And it it it, it really, I'm trying to think of the right words here, It I think it pains a lot of alumni to see their alma mater, you know, be mediocre. They've had a couple good wins the past couple of years, but they, they haven't been in the national conversation. They haven't had, when's the last time they finished in the top 10? When was the last time? I mean, I just don't think they're putting together meaningful years um, or meaningful seasons. I mean, the one year, yeah, they went to the orange bowl and they got beat up by Wisconsin. Granted, Wisconsin's good, but still you're Miami. You got, you know, you got that speed. You got skill guys and the farm boys up in Wisconsin beat you up in an orange bowl a couple years ago. And that's, that's their best bowl you've been in. So I do think that's true. I do think Miami's trying to be more of an institution. And I, I think, I know the people at the administrate, the administrative level think that they're doing the right thing because they don't want Miami just to be an, a football school where everything is pushed into it. But guess what? When Clemson did it, I mean, uh, now I know Clemson has problems right now, but Clemson did it in the last 10 years of Clemson have been pretty good. So you got to think to yourself, I mean, if you're going to do it, if you invest in football, your campus, your school is going to, it's going to pay off. Because what better exposure do your school to have but being the national spotlight every week on ESPN, on ABC, um, Fox? I mean, you get that exposure every week. So, yeah, I, I know there's a fine line between toxicity of a football program. I think you have to keep it in check. You have to keep um, coaches and players and keep them in check. If they do something wrong, absolutely discipline them. I'm not saying you know the high things or anything like that. But I'm saying investing in your football program will will pay off in the long run. Um, going through a couple games here, um, Michigan State squeezes one out against Nebraska. That line, and I said it on weekend winners, that line looked way too low. And, hey, Michigan State almost had a shot to cover at the end. But still that, way too low, way too low. Uh, and and right before the game, I jumped on Nebraska um, five plus five, and you know ended up paying off. Actually, scratch that. No, I didn't. Um, I took Nebraska at an alternative line at a seven and a half. 
um, you know, just wanted to give myself a hook. I put a little bit extra money on it. Um, so it payouts like, like a regular bet for like minus 110. But still, I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't think Nebraska's good. I think Michigan State's solid. I think Nebraska's okay. I, I do think Michigan State's solid. I, I think it's one of those, hey, they, they, beat, beat, they beat up Miami. And I think this was like more of a hangover game for them. So, I mean, hey, Sparty, Sparty's looking decent. Sparty's looking decent. Ah, yes. Um, the Boston College Mizzou drama. So, earlier in the week, uh, Drinkowitz from Mizzou was asked about playing non-conference games out of the Midwest. And he says an, a completely honest answer. Uh, I don't think he meant anything by it, but he basically said, and again, uh, if you want to do, if you want to check out the clips, um, I believe it was from Michael Bratton from uh, that SEC podcast. I wrote a blog about it. I credited Mike in in the blog. Um, so if you want to check it out, check out uh, my page on Branded Sports to to check out the blog on Jeff Havsley. I think it's the title shots fired um, question mark with Jeff Havsley and Drinkowitz from Mizzou. Anyway, so Drinkowitz answers his question and says, you know, I'd rather play teams from the region that will at least give them access to more recruits. And has a little bit of regional history. Now, I think he was trying to take a shot at Nebraska and basically anyone in the Big 12 that they used to play. So he tried, I think he tried to take a shot at them because they don't want to play him anymore because they left them. And he ends it with, you know, and he did start it with no offense to Boston Call, you know, very coach speak. But, and I don't think he meant anything by it, but he ends it with, you know, I mean, we don't, when's the last time we signed a recruit from the great state of Massachusetts? I mean, listen, even if you are 100% genuine with that comment, you, whenever someone says the great state, you're either one, if you're from that state, then you're homer like you're you're ho- like homering to that but if you're not that's 100% a sarcastic comment so Drinkowitz says this and again i don't think he meant anything by it jeff habsley also says i don't think he meant anything by it but the reporter in the boston college press conference was very much trying to stir the pot and i get it you're a reporter that's what you're trying to do but he legitimately was like, um, did did you see Drinkwitz's comments about not wanting to come to, you know, Boston College and signing recruits from the great state of Massachusetts? And Hapsley basically says, hey, I don't think he means anything by it, but he said if he really felt that way, maybe he should have called me up and, and I would have played in Missouri. Uh, so Habsley gives the, I don't care who we play. We just want to play. So it, it's two different ideologies here. You know, Habsley, which is the, I think the only, 
is the only response you can have in that situation to try and fire your team up. Especially Jinkowitz gets given a more Baltimore material. But Jinkowitz basically says, hey, I, I want to play teams where we can get recruits. Which is fair. It's a fair argument. And Hapsley gives a response of, I don't care who we play. I'll, I'll play you there. I'll play it. It basically gives you, I'll play on the moon. Uh you know, response. I didn't catch. I, I know their game was absolutely crazy, and Boston College won. And I'm kind, of, and I'm really, I'm actually happy, really happy Boston College won. But I did not see, and I'll have to go back and check if there was any, you know, words said possibly after the game. And you know, that's on me. I'll have to double check that. I don't believe there would be, but you know, I'll have to, I'll have to check that out. Um. WVU in Oklahoma. So I laughed at Joe when we did the weekend winners pod. Or sorry, the weekend winners stream. I I, I laughed at Joe when we were on that stream. And man, was I wrong. Um, I said that West Virginia didn't have a chance in this game. I, I legitimately thought Oklahoma was going to roll them. I thought this was the Oklahoma coming out party. This, this was the game that Oklahoma says, all right, game. game's over big 12. We're, we're here now. We're back. And West Virginia gave it to him. I mean, you had goal at the one false start moves you back, settle for a field goal. Um, I mean, yeah. Oh, towards the end. I mean, you had the roughing, uh, the tensional grounding at the end to take you out of field goal range. I don't know if the West, I don't know if the kicker is going to make it, but man, not even giving yourself a chance at the end of that game. Oklahoma, you know, kicks one as time expires. But I'll, I'll say this I think West Virginia's defense proves that it's probably the best in the Big 12. That is a very good defense, a very good defense, led by Stills in the middle. Um, But Oklahoma just looks lackluster on offense, and honestly, I I don't think it's all Spencer Rattler's fault. It's going to fall on him because he's the guy, and I still think he's the guy at Oklahoma. But I I think there's a lot going on. I mean, the the one interception was bad. the other incomplete pass on third down, uh, they when the fans are really giving it to him, and I'll get into that. But man, some of those he hit the receivers in the hands. He hit them in a good spot. There's, I mean, and I think that's the other problem is, uh, and I don't want to get on the fans quite yet. But when you have a hostile fan base against your own player, anything remotely bad, they're gonna boo anything remotely bad and like oh hang on i'm getting ahead of myself because i have a lot of things to say about the oklahoma fan base and i'm gonna talk about the game first so i do yes i have to kind of control my thoughts here um let me get back to the game quick so rattler i don't think it's all on him 
is he a part of it? Of course he is. He's the quarterback. He needs to be better. But pass protection wasn't great. Always had to throw on the run. You know, running game wasn't really getting established. The only thing good, I mean, hitting those, uh, you know, the the swing passes. But I, I don't know. When Rattler needed to make plays, he made plays at the end of the game. But, yes, he's got to be better. But that whole offense needs to be better. The defense came to play. But the problem is West Virginia's offense sucks. It's bad. Jared and man, Jared Daigie. Man, I feel bad for this kid. I really do because he seems like a good kid, does all the right things. I I, I really do. I I do feel bad. I do feel bad for this guy. Um, but I'll tell you what, West Virginia is a quarterback away from making a serious run in the Big Twelve. A serious run. <clears throat> I know West Virginia fans are frustrated. I know they're going after Neil Brown. Man, calm down. Dana Holgerson left this program in shambles. Why do you think he got out? Because he knew they were going to suck. So he left. And yeah, it was bad two years ago. It was not a good West Virginia team. Last year, they went to a bowl and beat Army. I, I, I know that's not... Something big to be proud of. Army's solid. But I'm telling you guys, Neil Brown is building a culture. And when and when he gets the right guys, not the best guys, again, Herb Brooks from Miracle. He's not looking for the best guys. He's looking for the right guys. He's building something. That culture is going to start with the defense, and the offense is going to come second. And right now on offense, they got a really good running back. They have a solid receiving core. Offensive line is shaky, and right now they need a quarterback. No offense, Jared Daggy. I think you're a good kid. I really do. I, I just I just think you got to go. I don't know if Green's the answer as a backup, but they got to do something at quarterback because that is what's holding this program back right now because the defense is taking care of it. Again, remember when, remember the defense was awful. Years ago, even when West Virginia was good, defense was terrible, giving up 50 some points a game. Now you're not. Now you're giving up 20 some points a game. Now you're, it's completely shifted. This game three years ago was 59 to 56. And now, and this year, it was a freaking night fight. There is a culture change in West Virginia. Neil Brown is the right guy. Again, give him time. He's building something. Not looking for the best players, looking for the right ones. So West Virginia fans, cool it. Huggy Bear had to go after you. And then, oh, that's the other thing. And, and this goes into a good segue into what I'm talking about, the Oklahoma fans. Hey, if you're going to trash talk, um, you know, college athletes on Twitter, like, like, who are you? And I know it's mostly trolls, but come on, who are you? I mean, even when I criticize pl- the play, I feel bad about it. I do. I honestly do. When I criticize college players that are 18, 19 to 21 or 22 years old, I do feel bad when I criticize players because I understand that they are doing the best that they can. You know, but since we're on the subject, what I was going to talk about earlier, 
Oklahoma fans, do you really think, Channing, we want Caleb, the backup quarterback? Do you think that's going to help Spencer Rattler? Do you think it's going to help him? I understand if you're thinking, well, Rattler hasn't been too great. Yeah, I understand that. You don't think Lincoln Riley doesn't know that? Do you, do you, do you just don't think he assesses his quarterbacks? That they don't grade them out every week in games and in practice? You don't think Caleb will you don't think Caleb's taking second string reps in practice? That Lincoln Riley is just thinking, oh, you know, Caleb Williams, he's really good. But yeah, we gotta start Spencer. Do you think do you think that's what's going on? And here's here's the thing with Oklahoma. Um I think most of your fan again. I don't want to come after an entire fan base because I know it's not the entire fan base. I know it's a selection of people. And honestly, it's probably the students because, well, let's face it. Every student section in the country has done stupid stuff at some point. Every single one. Every single one has done something stupid. But, like, Channing, we want Caleb is such a cringe and such a toxic moment of for your school. It's so toxic. Um, and again, you're, it's almost, it's such a privileged, spoiled thing to chant. I mean, I, again, I understand. You, you, Oklahoma hasn't, they haven't been looking good. You have national championship ad, admirations. I picked them to win the national title. And, and your team has national championship a, aspirations this year. And your star quarterback hasn't been looking great. But you think, Chen, we want Caleb? You think that's good? Do you think that's good for the locker room? Do you think that's good for Caleb Williams to hear his name? No, it's not. Because if I don't know the I don't know the, this kid's character, okay. But if this kid is a me guy, he's gonna be it, now. It has planted the seed of hey, you hear that? They want me in there. I told coach I need to be in. I told so and so I should be the starter. You don't want that. You don't want that. You think that's, I mean, hey, listen, any kid can say, hey, I don't listen to that. Do you think that's good for Spencer Rattler? I don't know. Maybe it is because he led, led, led your team down the field to, to get that last second field goal. So my whole thing is, if it's probably coming from the student section, and if it is, if you're an older person and sitting by the st students, tell them to shut the F up. Um. If, if you're an older person doing it, reassess your life. And that's my tirade on that for the day. Um, oh, man, before we get – oh, so I have one more thing before we get into uh, winners and losers this week. Oh, dear. 
Excuse me. Um, man, Kayvon Pope from Ohio State pulls Avante Davis and just quits at halftime. Completely quits at halftime. So apparently, so Ohio State's playing Akron. They had a sub package in, so he has to come out of the game. And so he's waved out, and he has a full-on, like, meltdown. So base call, uh, throws his gloves. He's going to the locker room. Um, head of player, player operations or player relationships, um, I believe, with C.J. Barnett, grabs him. Um, and then they have a they have an exchange, and then he's talking about talking to the linebackers coach, and then the Ryan Day. It seems like they had an exchange, and before you know it, he's in the locker room, and then he tweets out F Ohio State with a oh two with an F U C C Ohio State, um, and then quickly deletes it. And then says, good luck to my teammates, 100, which that's better. But still, and I know this is a young kid. He's, what, 21 years old. He's frustrated. And a lot of kids, heck, I mean, I was like it. And that was like 10 years ago or less than that. It was like eight years ago. If I if I was a senior, I don't know if I'd be running straight to Twitter. But, like, I knew a lot of my teammates that would. To kind of use that as a – it's like – it's almost like an escape, like, like almost like a therapy type thing, like just getting things out there. But like, man, F Ohio State, F your team. Ugh, that's not good. Apparently he's been dismissed today. Uh, we, we learned on Sunday he's been dismissed. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, so apparently um, one of the Ohio State reporters, I think it was um, – Warren was this uh man I want to say his name's Caleb Warren man I hope I didn't mess up that name anyway uh Ohio State reporter said that he's been sending cryptic tweets out all training camp all all during summer because of this package or of his limited role he's not as limited or sorry he's playing a more limited role as he's used to um, I think he's taking offense to that. Again, he's a senior, probably feels that he should have the most playing time. He's praying times probably get cut. I don't know if it is or not, but I mean, man, that's a bad look. It's a bad look for that kid. And it's going to be hard. I mean, he probably has an extra year because of COVID. I don't know if he's going to go straight to the NFL draft. I mean, listen, if he goes to the combine, he balls out. Someone's going to take him. Someone will take him. Um, or if he tries to go on another team, you know, play that hired gun type role of, hey, I'm going to go to another team. I'm going to ball out, help my draft stock. Could happen as well. Bad look for that kid. And it just amazes me with Ohio State, at the, like the whole Ohio State community, the Buckeye community, to that one loss to Oregon, who was a top 10 team and is probably going to win the Pac-12. One loss to them, like, you'd swear, like, to the fan base that the sky is falling. Like, one loss. A non-conference loss to a top-10 team. But because it was at home, oh, my dear Lord. 
Ryan Day demotes the defensive coordinator? Or what? You have holes on that defense. You graduate like you had seven guys go to the NFL. Like, what did you think that was gonna happen? This is what happens at other programs. A bunch of NFL guys leave, and then you have to rebuild. That's what happens. But because like this year is a little down, oh my god. Demote the defensive coordinator? You bench CJ Stroud? Now, again, uh, maybe Stroud is a little banged up. I get that. <clears throat> you don't want to play him against Akron. But this could have been a game to get his confidence up. That's the other thing. CJ Stroud, oh, uh, all these people. CJ Stroud's terrible. Yeah, because he's 19 years old. Yeah, he has NFL talent all around him, but he's 19. He's going to do 19 year old things on the field. He'll be great his junior year. I guarantee he's going to be very good. He's going to be a very good quarterback in the Big Ten his junior year. Maybe a, maybe next year. Get the kids some slack. But the, this whole sky is falling mentality. Yeah, maybe you're not as good this year as you usually are. Maybe you're a nine-win football team. Maybe, maybe you're a nine-win football team. I don't think they are. I think they're 10-11 win team. But I still think they can run the table in the Big Ten and win out. But, my God, you're a 9 one fo- Oh, God forbid you go to the freaking Citrus Bowl. And, and I know the ceiling for Ohio State is national, you know, get to the playoff or it's, it's a bust year. But, Jesus, like, relax, people. You, you're going to have a down year every once in a while. It's going to happen. There's nothing – if your bad year is the Citrus Bowl, you're in pretty freaking good shape as a as a program. If your bad year is the Citrus Bowl, like, easy people. It's okay. It's all right. So, like, I don't know. It's just all of this, like, the demo, like the demoting of the defensive coordinator, the fans being antsy, Ryan Day basically making it clear that no one is safe on his staff, which – I mean, hey, you can rule by fear, man, but that's only going to get you so far. I just feel like Ohio State is in like a little bit of like there's a little little bit of trouble in paradise here. I'm not saying they're going to tank it this year. I'm saying they're a 10 win football team, but geez, relax. It's okay. It's all right. This is this is what. 99% 99% or 98.5% of college football programs, this is what it looks like, Ohio State. Like, honestly. And you're you're in a better position than everybody, pretty much. But, you know, hey, oh, our, our defense isn't that good. Yeah, because you graduated. You had seven dudes go to the NFL. Yeah, that's what happens. Oh, our quarterback's not as good as Justin Fields. Because Justin Fields was pretty damn good. And you have a 19-year-old starting right now. That's what happens. It's okay. It's okay. It'll be all right. And I know the offense is loaded besides that quarterback position. But, again, you'll be all right. This is this is what happens in the rest of the college football world. And most programs don't even have it that good. All right, so let's get into some winners and losers this week. Let's get into some winners and losers. Okay. Uh, Let's do some winners. 
Arkansas, baby. Oh, I'm a believer in Sam Pittman. Uh, what he has done is amazing. Uh, Texas A&M uh, couldn't get it done. Offensively, they they really struggled. Calzada. Um, Calzada's not the guy. He's a solid backup. He's not the guy. Offense stalled. Both offenses stalled in the second half. I mean, Arkansas's big-time stall. Okay? But Texas A&M was, just could not get anything moving. Um, cut it to three, but, you know, Arkansas prevailed there in the second half. Uh, KJ Jefferson, gutsy performance, uh, uh, went out due to injury, came back, you know, got that extra cushion with the field goal. Uh, Arkansas, man, they are the feel-good I, – I, I really feel like they're going to be the feel-good team of the year. Notre Dame, got to take my hats off to Notre Dame. They were down 13-10. Wisconsin's defense all over the place. Hats off to them. They – Wisconsin's defense was amazing in this game. And then Wisconsin's offense just screwed the whole thing up. So Wisconsin takes a 13 to 10 lead with in the, in the start of the fourth quarter. I think there was like 1455 and I'm thinking, all right, here we go. Wisconsin is going to make Notre Dame's luck run out. And then I could have never been so wrong because Notre Dame took the kick return back. They had two pick sixes, and they freaking dominated this game. Because once Wisconsin has to play from behind, they're screwed. They are screwed. Because they're not their offense isn't built like that. Uh, so Notre Dame just dominating fourth quarter performance. They have to go play Cincy, which we'll talk about later. The Fighting Irish are looking poised right now. I mean, really poised to make another run. But that also has to do with a favorable schedule, if they can get past Cincinnati, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, winner, NC State, man. Again, um, I'm eating crow all over the place today. Um, I said on weekend winners, NC State usually it seems like they crumble in big games. And man, they didn't uh, miss field goals, miss two point conversions. Did not matter. Their defense when it ma- made stops when it mattered. Uh, offense made plays. It was a great scene in Raleigh. And could they be the team to end Clemson's dynasty? You know, maybe it's possible. It is. It is possible that Clemson's reign. Might be over. And that takes us to our biggest losers of the weekend. Clemson is one of them. Second loss of the year. Playoff hopes are pretty much down the drain. Now we're going to see how good of a coach Dabo Sweeney is. Let's see if his players buy in to what he is saying or were they just buying in because they were winning. And there is a difference. Jimbo Fisher, Florida State. As soon as they started losing early, that season was over. Tanked. When you put all of that, when you put every year in your goals is national championship or bust, you either get to that level 
and you get close and you win or you're 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 still national title you're close you're close you're close and you win one or you don't and you're not close because as soon if you have that mentality as soon as you lose or as soon as you know national championship that's not that's not on the table anymore once that's off the table what are you guys going to do you're still going to are still going to train hard are still going to go to film study? Are they still going to study film on their own? Are they still going to go to class? What? How are these Clemson players going to respond? That's that's what I want to know. If Dabo is as good of a coach as Clemson fans claim he is, and might I add, uh, most Clemson fans wanted Dabo gone in his first couple seasons. Okay. But is how good of a coach is he? You could be a great coach when you're winning, but how about when you're not? So this, this is the challenge right now for Clemson. This is the challenge for them. Can you rebound and make a season out of this? Okay. Can they rebound and can they still have a successful season? And I know what people are going to say. They can't have a successful season because they're not going to make the playoff. Okay. Well, guess what? If your players believe that you're in a lot of trouble because if your players believe in playoff or bust and not playing for pride and not playing for each other, this season is going to go down. It's going to go downhill very quickly for the Clemson Tigers. So we're going to find out how good is Dabo. Easy to coach when you're winning. How easy it's, How easy is it going to be when you're losing? Some other losers. Oh, my Lord. North Carolina. North Carolina, I understand losing a game to Virginia Tech. I understand that. I mean, great defense, fans are back in the stands, crazy environment. That happens. Virginia Tech may not be may not be a great team, but it's a great program, you know, good culture, the whole thing, the whole, the whole night. All right. I understand. Georgia Tech is terrible. They're bad. And you give up 45 points to them? Come on, North Carolina. This Tar Heel offense may be good. It may be good. You know, Sam Howell has to do a lot by himself now. Losing some receivers. Losing those two great backs. But, man, if your defense, if your defense can't get off the field, you're screwing your offense, and that is exactly what's happening. They are not getting them enough possessions. And it is a problem right now for North Carolina, a major problem. Iowa State, another loser of the week. Uh, Baylor, man, second half, uh, Cyclones just could not rally. Baylor was up in this game, and, I mean, it was kind of back and forth. But 
Iowa State had had big goals, big dreams, probably the best Iowa State team to come back on campus. Listen, the ball's not bouncing their way. The ball is not bouncing their way. They, they had all the production coming back, favorites to win the Big 12. Costly turnovers hurt them against Iowa. Really, they, I mean, it was a, those turnovers killed them. Um, now, here, here's the difference, I think. I think Matt Campbell is a good enough coach to at least right the ship for Iowa State and to still have a successful year um, because Iowa State can still have a shot at the Big 12 title. It's still very much in front of them. They went out and beat Oklahoma. They're the, they're the Big 12 champs. And I think because of that, Matt Campbell will keep them keep them going, keep them moving forward, you know, keep giving them that one and no mentality. I don't know if I can say the same for Clemson. I don't know because we've never seen Clemson really lose this early before. Lost two games early. And now I don't know, like I said before, I don't know if Dabo is going to be able to get his boys jacked up when I believe they have this national championship college football playoff or bus mentality. I know that's not the mentality at Iowa State. So I'm confident with two losses, they'll be able to bounce back. I can't say the same for Clemson. I don't know. And this is, and again, we're going to see how good of a coach Matt Campbell is here. We're also going to see how good of a coach Dabo is. I'm sorry, I really hammered that. I'm sorry I'm really digging into Dabo today, but, I mean, it's it's the truth. It really is. Oh, um, we said this earlier uh, for losers. Uh, Wisconsin's offense. This is terrible. Like, this offense is bad. Um, Paul Chris, listen. Paul Chris is a fantastic coach, one of the winningest times in Wisconsin history. Has a fantastic bowl record, which is five and one. Wisconsin under Chris is always, they're always hanging around in the top 15. Always, always in there. You know, when you go into Madison, you're in for a hard fought battle against the Badgers. But I think if Paul Chris wants to take the next step as a coach, I think he's got to take a really hard look at how he recruits the offensive side of the ball and his offensive coordinator. Um, because right now something's not working because Graham Mertz looked fantastic one game last year and he hasn't looked good since. So Wisconsin, Paul Chris, listen, I like Paul Chris. He's a great coach. Wisconsin, you have the, the winningest time I think the, the last decade's been the mo- the winningest time in Wisconsin football history. But they just they always seem, whether it be a Rose Bowl, whether it be they just always seem to come up short. But again, I, I think Chris is doing a great job of where he's at. I really do. You just gotta take a look at the, they gotta shake them things, shake some things up on offense. Um, all right, so let's take a look at a little bit of, of a preview for this week. 
preview for this week. Uh, the noon game, the big game of the week, Arkansas-Georgia is at noon. Georgia is a 19.5-point favorite. Good God. I mean, I want to take Arkansas here, and, and I want to say, hey, listen, they're going to keep it close. They're going to keep it close. But the other side of me says that line is freaking huge, and it's huge for a reason. And I really hope Arkansas keeps this a close game, but I just think Georgia's got too many horses on the other side of the ball. I think, again, their defensive line is the best. I think it's the best pass rush in the country. Arkansas has a has a big win against Texas A&M to get that Southwest Classic trophy. But I think with Arkansas coming off a big win, Georgia is licking its chops to get to Arkansas. Almost like a, Arkansas, you think you're bad? Okay, now you're going to play us. Um. Again, though, has Georgia's off has Georgia's defense faced a good of a good offense yet? Eh, I don't know. Eh, South Carolina, eh, not that good. Vanderbilt, definitely not good. Clemson, we've seen, not good. So I don't know. Maybe Arkansas can make it a game, but man, I am really curious to see what that line does. Speaking of lines that do crazy stuff, Wisconsin opened up as a four-point favorite against at home against Michigan in the matter of hours. It is Michigan is favored by one. I've never seen a line move like that. So fast. I mean, within hours, I know this comes out on Tuesday and I don't know. And, and, and I don't know what's going to be on Tuesday, but it moved four points in the matter of hours. What hammer Michigan hammer them. Bet the house on the Wolverines. Again, I know this comes out Tuesday, and I don't see where this line goes, but for right now, all signs are pointing to Michigan. And I think Michigan's got a lot. They have a lot of athletes, more athletes than Wisconsin. And honestly, I I think Michigan's defense just has to show up. Just show up against Wisconsin. Now, I I do think this is going to be a knife fight. I think the over-under was 44. Um, and that's about right. This game is not going to be for the faint of heart. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be a rock fight. But Jesus, four-point favorites to a point underdog at home? Whew. Yikes. Uh, Cincinnati at Notre Dame, key matchup here for college football playoff implications um, for both teams. I mean, if Cincinnati wins this game, they're probably going to go undefeated. And then, hey, you have a two-loss ACC team. You have a one-loss, two-loss Big 12 team. Now you're thinking, hey, can Cincinnati get in? But how about, let's look at Notre Dame here. Notre Dame, if they beat Cincinnati, they'll be favored double digits against Tech. They'll be double digits against USC. They'll be double digits against UNC. They'll be double digits against Navy. Double digits against UVA. Double digits against Georgia Tech. And probably a double-digit favorite against Stanford at home. Notre Dame wins this game. They will be double-digit favorites every every game after. Every single game. They will be double-digit favorites. <clears throat> it's the truth. So this is a big game for both these teams. This game is going to be on at 2.30. 
Oh yeah, NBC. Of course, NBC. NBC just robbing the the Irish Catholics blind. NBC. But this is a big game. Absolutely huge game. Um, I mean, Cincinnati. Who do they have left? Uh, Temple, UCF. Oh, UCF's going to be tough. But still, I think Cincinnati's got them. Navy, Tulane's not a – Tulane isn't easy. Tulsa, South Florida, SMU. SMU's decent too. I tell you what. I don't. Okay, I don't think this is right. But Cincinnati's road after Notre Dame might be harder than Notre Dame's road. I mean, uh, here's the thing. Notre Dame. These programs all look good, but they're all down. Virginia Tech's down. USC, down. They just got killed by Oregon State. UNC, doesn't have a defense, down. Navy is Navy. UVA, doesn't look like they want to play football. Georgia Tech is not a good football team, despite what they did to North Carolina. And Stanford is solid? Cincinnati, UCF, eh, they're decent. Tulane, decent. I mean, not great. They're, Tulane's not great. Let's be honest. But, yeah, they're all right. SMU just beat TCU. Ah, I mean, Cincinnati's road. This is going to be it. This is – all right, here we go. All right, here we go. Hot take of the day. Cincinnati, after the Notre Dame game, Cincinnati's schedule is easy, is harder. All right, let me – I gotta, I gotta clip this right. We gotta clip this right. Here's, here's the hot take. Here's the hot take machine. This is for the hot take machine out in the Twitter verse. The Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Bearcats, after they played Notre Dame, have a harder schedule than the Fighting Irish after, after this game. After the Cincinnati Notre Dame game, the Cincinnati Bearcat, Bearcats have a harder schedule. How is that for a hot take? I think it's true. Man. Notre Dame. They have a lot of good brands. No one seems to be good. Sorry. Um, Baylor, Oklahoma State. uh, Top 25 matchup. Uh, Sneaky good one here. Uh, That's Oklahoma State's favorite by minus four. I like that line with Oklahoma State. I think their defense is solid. Baylor has surprised us this year. I think they're due for a letdown. Uh, Spencer Sanders has looked good this year, sneaky good this year. So I take Cowboys minus four here. Uh, the night game, uh, primetime, uh, Indiana at Penn State. Penn State opens as a 10.5-point favorite. I want to see where this line goes. It did go up to 11.5. I got it at 10.5. Thank God I did because it looks like it's going higher. but. I'm biased. I try to take the emotion out of it, but I really think Penn State blows the doors off Indiana. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, Jake, they could be looking ahead to Iowa next week. That That is true. couple things, though. One, uh, whiteout game, always the, the, the week after a whiteout is always a kind of a – it's always kind of a letdown. Every year, it's Penn State plays a little hungover. Now, they played Villanova. Run blocking, not good. It was awful. But 
because they had better Jimmys and Joes and Villanova wanted to play man-to-man and man, man cover two, um, it was catch, make a move, score. And the defense pretty much dominated until the backups came in. So that was like their letdown already. Now Franklin's going to coach them hard. They're, they're going to study lots of film. I, I imagine they didn't show a whole lot on offense. Uh, they did run one. Uh, <clears throat> they ran one fourth and short play. Uh, a little bit of an end around action to Dotson. That worked. But other than that, I think they really kept everything pretty, uh, pretty simple, probably pretty vanilla. But I really like Penn State ten and a half over Indiana. Um, Indiana's offense is one dimensional, and yes, Indiana's defense is good. I think Penn State's offense is, is getting a little bit better. So I taking the Nittany Lions ten and a half. Um, all right. So no playoff this week. No playoff. But we're going to now answer questions from you guys in our All Ears segment. All right. Our All Ears segment is brought to you by Odds Crowd. Odds Crowd has fantasy betting and leagues that include over 30000 in cash prizes when you bet on NFL and college football. I'm taking part in Odds Crowd, and so is everyone else at Brandon. So let's see where your bets stack up against mine and everyone else at Brandon. Here's how it works. Once you enter a contest, you place fantasy bets, not actual money, against real odds and lines. The most profitable bettors rise of the leaderboard. If you have the highest profit at the end of the contest, you win. And Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contest. It's a social app for sports bettors, free to download. You can group chat with other bettors, track your bets, set up private fantasy contest with your buddies and much more download the app for free when and when you're there put in referral code bram13 that's b-r-a-n-1-3 that'll tell them that jake sent you okay again guys please download odds crowd it's free um and again you're wagering fake money and you could potentially earn real money in these contests okay it's a no-brainer Download it now. And, of course, put in referral code BRAND13. All right, so no playoff today. We're going to do something different. We're going to do the all ears segment. And this is how it works. We post on Twitter and on Instagram. And basically, we take your guys' questions. So... Here we go. I got a couple in a couple hours, so I'm going to read a few. Okay. Um, so here's one. How many undefeated weeks? Oh, this comes from Aaron Kreitzer, avid listener. Shout out, Aaron. How many undefeated weeks before you are heartbroken by a loss? Ooh. Um, I don't know, Aaron. I, I think – I think it depends where expectations are. So, for example, like a team like Oklahoma, if they lost in week four, I think it would be very devastating to them. I think for me, just going – if I was going to go with like Penn State, um, 
I don't have any national championship aspirations for this team. I'm sorry. I just don't think they're there as a program. I think they're good. Again, the AP came out and they're, they're fourth right now. And I don't think they're the fourth best, best team in the country. I think they're a New Year's Six Bowl team. But let, let's just say normal year. Like, let's just say I didn't think they're going to be bad, but maybe they could have some national championship aspirations. I would say, I would say week seven. I think week seven, that's when I might just, your entire week is ruined. Like inconsolable. Now, granted, when Penn State loses, my entire my entire weekend is ruined when Penn State loses. Does that that does that make me a crazy person? Probably. Yeah. I'm 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 nuts. I'm a college, I'm a diehard college football fan. We're all insane. Every single college football fan where their favorite sports team is a college football team, we're all insane. We are all crazy people. So honestly. You can you people could say week one. There, I know there are people that would say week one or week two and be a hundred percent correct. For me, I think probably week seven. I think you're deep enough in the air, you're seven and oh, and then you have a loss. That's bad. If you lose the last week of the year and like you're undefeated, and like week 13 you lose, week 14 you lose. I, I think that is that's bad too. But again, I mean, I know I'm rambling right now. I know I'm rambling. But even then, if your first loss is in week um, is in week 13, can you still make your championship game? Probably. Depends on who you lose to. Um, but I would say, I guess, I would say week seven, I'd be heartbroken after a loss. Yeah, week seven. I'd say week seven safe. But again, I, I know college football fans that say one or two. And they're right, too. So, good, very good question. Very good question. Um, let's see here. Let's go through some of these picks. Oh, okay. Um, Mike Maniscalco. Oh, thoughts on West Virginia, Oklahoma. Um, already kind of mentioned it, but just a, I guess, a quick recap for you. Um, West Virginia gave him the game. I didn't think Oklahoma – I didn't think West Virginia stood a chance. And their defense played very good. I think West Virginia's defense is good. Their offense is bad. I think they have a quarterback problem. They're a quarterback away from seriously contending the Big 12. Oklahoma, I don't know if their defense showed up or West Virginia's deep offense is that bad. But I their offense struggled more than I thought they were going to. Um Spencer Rattler shares some blame, but he's not completely to blame for their struggles. Eddie, Eddie Silver, need to know why they don't eliminate conferences. Oh, okay. Uh, This is a two-part question. Um, Why don't they just eliminate conferences? Uh, Money and regionalism. So each conference, it's kind of like, All right, history people out there, history people. It's kind of like the Articles of Confederation in history where 
in the Articles of Confederation, every state ran like it's its own country, but they're under the United States. That's how college football is. Every conference is different, but they're all under the NCAA. So if that makes sense. And just like the Articles of Confederation, one of the words, it's a loosely packed, it's a loosely packed agreement, which is pretty much what, confer- what conferences are um, and how they interplay with one another. So the conferences are never going to give up their power, but what college football does need is a commissioner. I think that will at least give one figurehead to at least say, this is what needs to happen because this is what's good for the sport. The conferences won't do that because they want what's best for them. So that's why they won't eliminate conferences because they're all afraid that other conferences are going to screw them. SDC's afraid that the Big Ten is kind of like what they're doing now when Oklahoma and Texas said they're going to the SEC. Um, the Big Ten is going to form alliance to screw the SEC. The SEC is going to try and screw the Big Ten. And the AC, like they're all out for themselves. So it's never going to happen because they're, they're, they don't trust each other. They need one guy. But even then, if you have a commissioner, where'd he graduate? And then they're going to say, well, he's only going to help them. So I don't know. Maybe we need somebody. We need somebody to be, maybe we need someone to be elected. Maybe we need someone. We need, we need a commissioner in college football. Uh, There's your second part of the question. I need two or three teams to pick from that. I can root for without really caring if they're, if they lose. All right. Uh, Number one. Uh, Arkansas with Sam Pittman. I think they are the feel-good story of the year. I love them. I I really do. I think they're going to lose to Georgia. And but man, I really like Arkansas. I think that's a that's going to be a fun team to watch all year. Um, uh, another team. Hmm. Who's another fun? Who's another fun team? Hmm. Try to think of another fun team. Fun team. Everyone in the ACC is is bad. I'm trying to think. Um, you know what? Hey, how about West Virginia? How about West Virginia, Eddie? That that's another team. West Virginia. They're building something. Good defense, which is kind of different than the whole Big Twelve. I love Neil Brown as a head coach. You know what? Uh, join Mountaineer Nation. That's another good one, Eddie. So I gave you Arkansas. I gave you West Virginia. I think those are two solid ones, two solid teams to root for that I think will be fun, that I think aren't your upper echelon of teams. And I think it'll be a, a really good time to jump on those bandwagons and ride the wave. West Virginia might have a little bit of trouble this year, but I'm telling you, in the coming years, they got something cooking. Um. Oh, lastly, AJ from Branded Sports. AJ Torres. Um. Let's see here. AJ says, do you think Traylon Burks is wide receiver one? If not, then who? Um, okay, AJ, I think you're referring to – I think you're referring to is he the best receiver in the country? Well, last week he did, or the over the weekend he did. Um, listen, 
if you're saying you should be wide receiver one for Arkansas Razorbacks, yes, that's a hundred percent no brainer. Yes, he should be wide receiver one. If, but talking about best receivers in the country, I'm sorry, he's not. Um, even though he didn't have a good week last week, Chris Olave is the best receiver in the country. Um, Dontario Drummond from Ole Miss, uh, he's catching pass from Matt Corral, laying the lane train down in Ole Miss is doing really well with him. Um, group of five guy looked really good on Thursday. Corey Gamage out of Marshall. Um, really good. Marshall has that three head of Marshall. Uh, Marshall, ha- I almost said a three head of Marshall. The three head of monster going on with Gamage, Ali, and Wells, their quarterback. Um, but Corey Gamage, great receiver. Uh, those are guys off the top of my head. Um, I mean, I don't think. Yeah, those are three guys off the top of my head. John Dotson from Penn State, just to give him a plug. I think he's top 10 in the country. Um, but again, um, but I would say those three guys right there, definitely uh, better than Burks, even though Burks was 100% the best receiver over the weekend. He was tremendous. All right, guys. Thank you once again for listening i really appreciate it um tune in for weekend winners uh saturday at 11 o'clock uh my picks haven't been hit and i I, i'm like one game below 500 right now but i got a good feeling about this week guys i really do okay have a great week and get after it